What's up everyone, my name is Stu, and I am Bacchus for Bourbon. Today I'll be doing another bourbon talk for you. Today I'll be like to discuss location, location, location of barrels within the rickhouse, and how location affects the different flavors of bourbon, and why it matters on where the barrels are stored within the rickhouse. So, currently I am enjoying a glass of Four Roses single barrel, review to come on that uh, at some point. So, if you haven't already, why don't you go ahead and press pause and grab a glass and join me. I'll wait. Alright guys, so let's talk about barrel aging. Now in my previous bourbon talks I talked about that um, what is federally mandated to make bourbon a bourbon and one of the mandates is that they must be aged in brand new charred white oak barrels. So no reusing of barrels that must be brand new uh, and charred. So what does that really mean? So the, the barrel that is being used to, to age your bourbon um, the best metaphor that I can think of for it is that it's almost like a living a living being or it's almost like a tea bag in a sense. So um, if you ever have a, a glass of tea and that tea bag is dunked in the hot water, that tea bag releases all of its uh, essences and flavors into the water and you have an excellent cup of tea, right? And if you ever try to kind of get um, a second usage out of that tea bag, it's never the same. Uh, the tea bag has kind of lost its luster, it's lost its robustness and flavors, and if you have that second uh, glass of tea, it's never as good as the first, right? So it's kind of the same um, concept with barrels. That's why bourbon is mandated. It must be brand new charred white oak barrels, because uh, if you were to use a barrel for the second time, you're just not getting those robust flavors you get out of uh, brand new barrels. So uh, all the time after bourbon companies are done using their barrels, they are reselling them to or shipping them to Scotland, uh, Japan, Canada, where they're going to be reusing those barrels uh, for their own aging of their own whiskeys. So uh, it's kind of a, a joke in a sense that uh, Kentucky distillers always think that the world's whiskeys are better because they are using uh, Kentucky uh, bourbon barrels that are aged. So there's a little bit of Kentucky bourbon uh, in your scotch or your cane whiskeys and that kind of stuff. So kind of a running joke there. They believe it's better because they have something to do with it because they are essentially reusing the barrels that they uh, had in the first place. So uh, when the barrels are filled, barrels are typically 53 gallons. Uh, with your white dog distillate. So remember, it can't be fi uh, filled um, at a proof higher than 125. So after the distillation process, you have a distillate that is then proofed down to a 125, and that is your white dog whiskey, or your white dog, uh, uh, also known as white lightning, uh, sometimes considered to be moonshine, although moonshine is not bourbon. Uh, this is white dog bourbon uh, that then goes into the barrel. And in the barrel is kind of really where the magic happens. Do I dare say distillation is the easy part? The barrel is where bourbon gets its body, gets its flavors, gets its robustness. And, you know, it's safe to say, quite honestly, the longer it's in the barrel, the more time and more energy and more money is spent to kind of cater to that bourbon, the higher quality and flavor you're going to get out of that bourbon. So as the bourbon sits in the barrel and the barrel is placed in the rickhouse, you know, the rickhouse could be um, anything from multiple stories that the barrels are sitting in. And even Buffalo Trace, for example, has single story rickhouses that are actually made out of uh, tin, brick, and wood. So they're kind of experimenting with the different type of materials that the rickhouses are built out of to see how it affects the aging of the, the whiskey barrels. So 
Rickhouses that are multi-story, we have rickhouses that are single-story, we have rickhouses that are made out of different materials because they're kind of trying to experiment on what is the best environment to age their bourbon. So one thing they all have in common at the moment is that the rickhouses are not temperature controlled. They want the houses to experience the fluctuation of temperature uh, given the change in season. So they uh, want those barrels wherever they are in the rickhouse to uh, expand and contract given the change in temperature and the change in barometric pressure in the air. Uh, and that expansion and contraction, I kind of talked about how a barrel is a little bit more kind of like a, almost like a living being. Uh, it's almost like the barrel is breathing. That expansion and contraction is um, allowing the whiskey to be absorbed into the sidewalls of the barrel. And that whiskey is kind of being absorbed and mingling with the flavors of the char and the rosins in the barrel. And um, given that uh, water within the whiskey, um, water molecules are smaller than alcohol molecules. Uh, as that expansion contraction happens, uh, oftentimes water molecules actually are um, evaporated out of the barrel. So that's where the concept of angel share comes in because when the bourbon is done aging, if a barrel is 53 gallons, you are definitely not left with 53 gallons after the aging process happens. You have water molecules that are evaporating out of the barrel, which in a sense is actually concentrating the flavors in the bourbon to where the bourbon is going to come out just very flavorful and a more concentrated um, taste than it did before it went into the barrel. So then it is after the whole barreling, barrel and aging process is when they then proof down the barrel to be what the, um, the proof that they want that bottle to be. So um, within the rickhouse, and we're going to talk about a multi-story rickhouse because that's kind of the standard are the very large multi-story rickhouses. Um, you have a house that is like within Jim Beam's factory. Uh, Jim Beam oftentimes will house, I think I read, 1.8 million barrels at a given time, which is huge, obviously. And think about you know the time and effort that goes into storing those barrels. And um, each distillery has kind of their proprietary method for you know aging their bourbon, which is kind of hush hush. You know they don't really tell you how much char they add or what kind of uh, location they typically put the barrels in or you know what uh, you know methods they have. Some distilleries will rotate the barrels from the bottom of the rickhouse to the top to try to keep things even and consistent. So. Um, uh, when a barrel is stored towards the top of the rickhouse, it oftentimes is warmer, right? So heat rises. So a barrel that is stored at the top of the rickhouse is going to be subjected to higher heat and temperatures, which will cause that barrel at the top of the rickhouse to actually have the bourbon evaporate faster. It'll actually evaporate faster and will concentrate the bourbon quicker, age the bourbon quicker, and oftentimes will raise the proof of the bourbon because as more water evaporates, the proof of the bourbon rises. Then the complete opposite happens at the bottom of the rickhouse, it's a little bit cooler, and the bourbon will be aging much slower. So the exact opposite happens because at the bottom you might also have a little bit moisture at the bottom, so it's less likely for moisture to leave the barrel given that it's trying to go into a moist environment, so oftentimes it'll stay and linger longer in the barrel. Uh, and then you have the middle of the rickhouse, which is also called the center cut. Um, again, it's kind of proprietary of what bourbon companies like to you know, put their particular brands and expressions within the rickhouse. In the center cut, you're going to get kind of the best of both worlds. You're going to get kind of an even aging. You know, it's not too hot, not too cold. You know, it's like Goldilocks, it's just right. Uh, but again, if a, if a distillery is rotating the barrels, that kind of alters that whole system. So 
I personally haven't been to Kentucky. would love to go and love to go on the tour and kind of uh, learn a little bit more about that process. But I just know that the higher the, bur the barrel is going to be in the rickhouse, the faster it will age, the higher proof it will be. The lower in the rickhouse, the slower it will age, and the lower proof it will be at the very end. So kind of going off of this, I was able to find online from the Jim Beam website that they talk a little bit of where some of their expressions are housed in their rickhouses. So, for example, at Jim Beam, their baker's bourbon goes in the mid-high and high storage in the rickhouse. And they consider that is kind of the reason that their baker's bourbon has really big and bold flavors. While their bookers, kind of their more most expensive expression, uh, goes in the center cut, which you could argue is kind of the best of both worlds. Is it the best location? Eh, I'm not sure. It's kind of each to their own. Uh, their Basil Hayden's and Knob Creek, which is very popular, uh, they say is more into the mid-low to mid-high, um, not touching the, the, the bottom floors, but close. So those bourbons are being aged a little bit slower and a little bit cooler. So it just kind of depends on where it's being held in the rickhouse. So uh, again, talking about location where you have barrels that are high and barrels that are low within a rickhouse, even barrels that are next to one another. This is just what you know fuels my passion and love for bourbon is that a barrel that is sitting right next to another may not taste the same. It all depends on the you know, the type of the, the white oak and that particular tree's history that you could be tasting or the seasons that you are tasting, the expansion, the contraction, the breathing that the barrel kind of goes through in its lifespan of age in your bourbon uh, is just to me is so exciting because you're just tasting that history and that that nature that has aged that bourbon just for you and just, you know, different in all aspects. And because of that, you have uh, companies that do things like called small batches and small batches are typically, you know, barrels that are taken from one area of the rickhouse and then combined together to create a small batch, you know, uh, whiskey. So you have maybe barrels, uh, depends, they might take 180 barrels uh, and combine those together to create one type of small batch, or it might be a little bit more, a little bit less. And then you have single barrels, which are incredible because single barrels are just that. It is the single barrel. So these aren't barrels that were combined together. This is coming out of one individual barrel. And typically one individual barrel, they say, produces about, I don't know, uh, I think somewhere around 150 to 180 bottles out of that single barrel. So that single barrel that you're drinking, like I'm drinking a Four Roses single barrel, might taste slightly different or completely different depending uh, from a difference from the same manufacturer, but a different barrel or single barrel that it's coming out of. So again, you have that uniqueness, you know, sometimes. And they even have uh, barrel-proof bourbons, which is meaning that it is the proof that is coming out of the barrel as is, not watered down, not altered at all. So the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection and especially the Elijah Craig barrel-proofs are really popular because you'll see these barrel-proofs and it's going to be different from year to year based on what is actually coming out of the barrel. Is it you know, typically like Elijah Craig might be like a, right now is like a 128.2. So the proof, you know, rised or rose uh, given its location in the rickhouse. Because remember, it can't go in more than 125. So it rose within the barrel and it was, you know, put into bottles about 128.2. I mean, you have some of the antique collections that are like a 142 or so, which is huge proof. And that's going to be kind of a hot bourbon, but that's kind of where people, they want to taste that bourbon coming out as is and not necessarily proof down at all. 
So you have small batch, that's gonna be kind of a small batch of barrels taken from one location, mingled together to create one flavor expression. And you have single barrels that are gonna be just that single barrel by itself, which is in fact proofed down at the point. And then you have barrel proofs, which are just exactly as it is coming out of the barrel. And because of that, they oftentimes are gonna be a little bit more in price. But again, you're paying for that uniqueness. You're paying for the history that you're tasting within the wood, within the age, within the seasons as well. Now I am a huge fan of the Weller products from Buffalo Trace, originally a part of the Stitzel Weller uh, distillery. And I'm a fan of all the Weller products, including the, the old antique 107 and the kind of rare and hard to find Weller 12 year. It is, like I said, as close to Pappy Van Winkle as you can get without actually getting Pappy Van Winkle. And this has me so curious and why I'm so fascinated with talking about the Rick House because you have a product that is Weller and you have a product that is Pappy Van Winkle, which is exactly the same bourbon exactly the same weeded mash bill that at the moment is created by Buffalo Trace. So what makes Pappy Van Winkle that much better than Weller? You know, the difference is, is essentially the Rick House, the aging within the Rick House. So I was always, I, I tried searching and searching and searching and could not find the exact location that Pappy Van Winkle goes in the Rick House. And then if you know out there, please call in and let me know because I'm super curious about that. The only thing I can think of is that because Pappy Van Winkle is aged so long, you have a Pappy 20 year and a Pappy 23 year being their oldest expressions. The only thing I can think of is that Pappy Van Winkle most likely is stored in the bottom of the Rick House where the age is much slower. You're trying to kind of slow down that aging process because you know you're going to be going for 20 to 23 years. And a Pappy Van Winkle 23 year, the oldest expression that they have, I know that they have uh, mentioned that if a barrel starts off at 53 uh, gallons of bourbon, at the end of 23 years, they're left with three gallons. Three gallons of bourbon out of one barrel to make a Pappy 23. So all of that bourbon has basically been, you know, evaporated as the angel share. And I can only just think that, um, because of this, they can't age Pappy Van Winkle at the top. It must be towards the bottom of the rickhouse. Again, call in if you actually know, because all the research I could do, I didn't find. So uh, when I look at a product like the Weller products, and I look at products like Pappy Van Winkle, given that I never actually have had Pappy Van Winkle, I can respect you know, the Weller products that much more because they are essentially, you know, Pappy, same mash bill, same mash bill just either aged less or doesn't quite make the cut. So I look at Weller 12 year, which is a very good bottle of whiskey, a very good bottle of bourbon. In fact, I'll be reviewing that soon as well as I'm myself making a batch of poor man's pappy in my own tiny barrel right now. Uh, by the way, it's been one week and one day. I took a taste of it today and already that Weller uh, Old Antique 107 has smoothed out and is super, super good, just even after one week. So I'll definitely be letting that go for at least two more weeks, if not more. Um, again, be, I'll be reviewing the Weller Old Antique 107 and the Weller 12 year, and of course my poor man's pappy here coming soon. So stay tuned for that. But I look at a Weller 12 year, and that Weller 12 year had a chance to be Pappy Van Winkle. And for whatever reason, the master distiller kind of were, was tasting it and said, you know what? This doesn't quite, doesn't quite 
meet up to the standards that they want to do for Pappy Van Winkle 12 year lot B is what it would probably go to or if they want to maybe keep it in the barrel longer to become your your Pappy 15 year 20 year 23 year so again the only thing I can think of is that I, I, I just imagine with the same mash bill and they have two different products, one of which being just so outrageously expensive and so outrageously sought after and scoring a 99 out of 100, you know, they must have the perfect location for those Pappy barrels that they put in the rickhouse that just the location alone using the same mash bill is what it's all about for Pappy Van Winkle. Otherwise, it becomes Weller. It's as simple as that. Weller is your poor man's pappy, and we try to kind of age it ourselves at home uh, to make it into what we believe a pappy van Winkle should taste like, or try to match it up if you were lucky enough to taste pappy already. So I hope you enjoyed uh, our, my talk on location of barrels in the rickhouse. I hope you might have learned something. If you have any questions or comments, please call in and kind of let me know. I will definitely play it on the station. I always am interested in feedback. I just have such a strong love for bourbon, and I love to talk bourbon. I love to kind of talk to all of you out there, uh, just like you're my buddies, and we're having a glass together. So once again, my name is Stu. Without bourbon, what is the point? And have a good rest of your work week. Friday is on the way, so enjoy it. Be safe out there, and have a good one. Cheers, guys.